This video is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. The NBA season is in full swing, and you can get into the action at DraftKings. Check out DraftKings parlays and same game parlays, where you can combine multiple bets from the same game for a shot at an even bigger payout. So download the DraftKings app now. You can use promo code BULLYBALL when you sign up. All one word, B-U-L-L-Y, ball. You can do it. I know you can do it. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook. The crown is yours. Welcome to Bully Ball, presented by DraftKings. I'm Rachel Nichols. That's DeMarcus Cousins. And Boogie, we got some breaking news from you, including we need to know what a beer leopard is. Can you please share with us <laughs> what you'll be doing next month? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'll be taking my talents to Taiwan. Uh, I'll be playing with the nice. Taiwan beer leopards. Uh, to exactly answer your question on what a beer leopard is, I'm still, you know, in the process of researching and finding out exactly what that is. But when I find out, I'll let you know. But uh, fair. besides that, that is completely you know, I'm, fair. I'm, <laughs> yeah, but I'm excited to be playing ball. Uh, you know, I love this game. I still got a lot left in the tank. So uh, this is just to, you know, help that urge a little bit and uh, keep my competitive juices flowing. So uh, I'm excited for the opportunity and I can't wait to get out there. I love that. I mean, every time we put this podcast out and we tweet about it or put it on Instagram, all the comments are, why isn't Boogie playing? Why isn't Boogie playing? My team needs him. This team needs him. That team needs him. So it's exciting that we get to see play a little bit more. And I know NBA, NBA teams will be watching that too. So this is going to be fun, my friend. And we all now need Absolutely. on this pod, we need beer leopards gear. So that will be your assignment when you come back from there is to bring some for the you, uh, bully you know ball that. fam. I got you. I got you. All right. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. <laughs> All right. We got to get back to the big star returning to the NBA. <laughs> just, uh, just Beer Leopard. I'm still on Beer Leopard, okay? <laughs> returning to the NBA. John Morant is back on Tuesday night. Um, this is after serving, of course, the 25-game suspension. It will be Ja versus Zion, which will be uh, a little blockbuster for you on his way back. And Morant spoke to the media for the first time on Friday uh, he said kind of like what you were just saying, Boogie, that basketball has been – it's always been there for him. It's been his therapy, that it's part of his life, and that taking that away was really hard for him. It made his time more difficult. Uh, he also said that he knows that the words he says about taking responsibility are just words and that no one's going to believe him until he proves it with his actions. And this part I thought was really the most interesting. He said that he felt guilty for the position the Grizzlies were in, where, of course, they are out of the playoff chase right now. They had such a great start to the season last year, and it's basically completely the opposite this year. And frankly, that's for more reasons than John Morant being out. Um, but obviously, he is the biggest cog in that wheel, and he has not been there for them. So I'm just interested. I was watching him talk, and I was kind of wondering, what, what's actually going on inside his head? Do, do you have a sense? Can you take us inside the head of an NBA star who the whole world is criticizing their behavior and they he is in this position where he's got to prove it? What is that like? Um, it's a tough situation, and, and, it's, and it's super heavy on an individual. And the reason I can say that is um, nobody in his life is exempt from growing pains. And John Moran is just another person going through his growing pains. Uh, the difference is his life is a fish is is a fishbowl, where it's everybody looking in at this one fish. You know what I mean? So through his growing pains, he gets criticized with every single step that he does wrong or right. And I mean, 
for the most part, any kid growing up, when their parent talks to them too much or fusses at them too much, it, it becomes stressful. So imagine three million people on an everyday basis, you know, criticizing you, talking down on you, all of those things. So you have to realize at the end of the day, this is a young kid that's a human being. He bleeds and sleeps the same way everybody else does. So, uh, you know, I believe he deserves the grace that the next individual gets when it comes to growing pains or making yep. mistakes. So uh, he's a kid that's growing up. He's figuring life out. He made some mistakes. He's he's admitted to those mistakes. Now it's time to give him an opportunity to better those mistakes. I think through this 25-game suspension, um, he's he's been humbled. He's realized what's important to him. He's been able to prioritize the important things in his life. Uh, Mm-hmm. And it's also going to help him become a better man, a better father, and a better professional. So uh, I think everything that's transpired is going to help in a positive way. Uh, I I appreciate the comments and him being able to say, you know, I felt like the, the team is in this position because of me. That's a sign of accountability. That's a sign of a leader. Yeah. That's a sign of a guy that's realized I've messed up and I've let my guys down. And, you know, because of that, they're in a bad position. So uh I think I think he comes out first game with a lot of fire. I think him returning to the team is the you know the perfect spark for this team to help them go on a, a run to put them back in position to uh, you know turn the season around. So uh, yeah. they're only five games out. Um, they have a great chance of making a play in. And I mean, if I'm first second seed and I have to see this team first round, I'm scared. You know, this is a team that can beat any team on a nightly basis when they're healthy. And especially when a top 10 player is now back, you know, with his team. So, uh, and he is a top 10 player. Let's, let's not deny that. Let's not let, you know, a silly mistake say otherwise. You know what I mean? He's that dynamic. He's that electric. And we've seen it time and time again, what happens when John Moran is on this Grizzlies team. They're one of the most fun teams to watch and they're a very, very tough team to beat. So, um, you know, I hope things work out in this kid's favor. I'm a huge fan of him. I'm a huge fan of his talent. And, um, you know, I I can see through the mistakes. You know what I mean? Um, I know what it's like to, you know, fuck up as a young kid. I can see through all that. I can see this is a good kid mm-hmm. with a good heart. He just made some silly mistakes. And that's exactly what it should be labeled, a silly mistake. So let's move on. And uh, I'm excited for his mm-hmm. return. Get back on the floor and show the world the start that you are, kid. <laughs> I do think people have kind of forgotten how good he is. I think we're going to see that over the next month. We talked last week that odds in Vegas are not very high that they make the playoffs. And I'm like, or you know, just has to make the plan. And to your point, they're going to be a very different team than a typical 9 or 10 seed because of all the time Jaws missed. By the time they get to the spring, they're going to be a higher caliber team in the 9 or 10 seeds clothing, like a wolf in sheep's clothing. So they will be a threat if they get there to make the playoffs and, and then in the first round. Um, how hard is it, do you think, is going to be for him to actually come back on the court Tuesday night? Uh, do you think we're going to see him at full speed? Do you think he's – I always feel like conditioning, you, you can always practice as much as you want, but guys, you mm-hmm. see them get winded in a real game when they come back. Uh, he's been practicing with the mm-hmm. team. They just won't let him in the arena during games. Um, so what what do you think we'll see actually out on the court when he's playing against Zion and the Pelicans? Uh, I think you see a big game from him. Um, like you said, he's been able to practice with the team. I'm sure they're putting him through rigorous training to, you know, keep his conditioning in top shape to, you know, come in and flow with the team right away. And uh, on top of this, this is a young kid. This isn't some veteran that missed right. time. Like, <laughs> 
when when you're this age, you can literally roll out of bed and go do what you want. You know what I mean? So uh, right. And it's not like he's been missing time because everything. of the injury. Yeah. You yeah. know, and it's not like he's coming back from an injury. I think he'll come in and we'll see the same star that we saw uh, last season, season before that. Uh, like I said, he's that electric. I think he's going to come in and make an impact from game one, and we'll see a different team when he returns. So uh, I don't think it'll be an issue at all. I think he's I, – I predict he'll be a little winded some of the time that you'll see that, um, but I think we're going to get mm-hmm. a really big dunk to, like, remind everybody who he is. And I'm excited Absolutely. for that. So <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> right. While we're on the subject of uh, guys who have been under the microscope and, and need to change their behavior, uh, Shams from The Athletic reported earlier today that Draymond Green has started the counseling process. He's expected to remain sidelined via suspension for at least the next three weeks, according to Shams' sources. So he's already missed. Uh, 11 games out of the Warriors 26 games this season because of various suspensions and other things if he is out for Mm -hmm. three weeks like this report says that would be another 10 games missed so obviously he needs to come back from the suspension a different guy because he cannot afford to keep doing this to his team kind of like John Morant said Um, and I'm just curious how Draymond makes a substantive change beyond just sort of okay I'm not going to do this anymore because that hasn't been working to just say to himself, even I'm not going to do this anymore. And I think it's interesting that Draymond has always said that, and Steve Kerr and Steph Curry have said that Dray needs to play with a level of emotion to be Draymond out there and that he has to walk that line. And clearly that line has just like moved too much toward being unacceptable. And he's got to figure out how to be himself as a player, but move that line back you play with Draymond Green. You guys were teammates on that Warriors team. How does he do this? How does he actually make a real change? Uh, I think that's a, uh, I think that's a question and answer for Draymond Green himself. Um, and I think he'll find that answer, you know, through self-reflection, through this time that, or this process that he's going through with being away from the team and being sidelined. Um, you know, I hope he finds that answer because. You know, Draymond is a close friend of mine. I'm a huge Draymond fan. Um, And I've been on the ends of that team and understand the dynamic and the way that puzzle works with Draymond being in that puzzle. And without that puzzle piece, it just doesn't work, regardless of, you know, what you want to do. I think they understand it. I think, you know, their superstar and Steph Curry understands that, and that's the reason he supports him the way he does. But – uh. You know, I, I, I hope Draymond finds that answer. And um, it just sucks because um, we know who Draymond is as a player. Uh, you know, yeah. he's passionate. He's fiery. He's he's all of these things that, you know, you don't really see. And that's what makes Draymond so special. I just hate – I hate the fact that that passion and fire t- turns into a negative or it's, become, it's now being spent into a negative. Um, but for some reason, when they were winning and they were successful, it was enabled by the league. It was okay then. Now that they're on, a, you know, they're slowing up and, you know, other teams are catching up, now it's being spent until, you know, now he needs counseling and help and all that. That's the part I don't agree with and that's the part that I don't think is okay. Um, don't turn this passionate player into the angry black man. I just, that's, that's bullshit. And I, and I don't, I, I don't agree with it. I don't want that narrative to be, you know, spent that way. So if, you know, me speaking on it can help in any way, then that's what I'm going to mm-hmm. do. Like, but let's not try to change this guy's character or, or 
or label him as something that he's not because this is a highly intelligent black man and he should be, you know, respected as such. Has he fucked up? Absolutely. So um, that's kind of my two cents on it. <clears throat> I, I totally get that. And, and, you know, it is about moving the line, right? Like he's always going to play with passion. He's always going to mm-hmm. play on that line. He just has to move that line back. And I think the difference now between before, at least in part, is that it's cumulative, right? Like it hasn't just happened once or twice or three times. And the fact that this one happened two weeks after the last one where he was suspended five games, came back, said all the right things and said that he knew he let the team down by not being there and said it was going to be different. And then boom, two weeks later, this happens. That's what I think led to the suspension and the indefinite suspension and everyone taking it kind of more to heart. But I, Mm -hmm. I agree with you with the narrative is really spun out of control. And, you know, he didn't injure anyone else. He didn't, you know, all that stuff. And yes, it could have been, this could have been bad. This could have been, but it wasn't. And I just, I agree with you that, that it's so black and white in our society about he's either a terrible person or a brilliant person and there's no apparently overlap. Um, It's troubling and it's not fair. And, you know, you and I know Dre really well and, you know, he's, he cares so deeply mm-hmm. about the game and his team and is so smart and carries himself so well, you know, off the court that, that to me, this is a tweak more than he's got to change his whole character, but he does have to make the tweak because this can't, it's cumulative. It can't keep happening. And you can now see that, you know, they're not okay with it. So you, you yeah. have to adjust accordingly, which is okay. And I think Draymond will do that. Yeah. Yeah, well, we'll, I hope he's back even sooner than three weeks. We'll find out. The league is more fun with Draymond in it. That's my opinion. All right, let's talk about the Sixers. They are on a roll. I mean, they've been playing lights out. They are currently third in the East, but this may be one of the crazier stats I have read this season. Joel Embiid Boogie has more points than minutes played. His points are 752. (laughs) His minutes played are 746. And here's another one. The last four games that the Sixers have played, he hasn't even mm-hmm. played in the fourth quarter of any of those games because they've been winning by so much. Wow. And he hasn't played in the fourth quarter of eight games this season. It, it's it's just bonkers. The point More points than minutes played is crazy. I think Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is the only person to have ever done that, which puts you in high standing. Um, he is 34-12-6 on the year. That's a career high in assists. And we can add in two blocks per game as well. So, look, following the James Harden deal, a lot of people thought Philly would need to add another piece to get back into contention. Um, People kind of thought Joel deserved the MVP last year, but then Jokic came along after that in the playoffs and, you know, won the championship ring. He was the finals MVP, so it kind of flipped back to the narrative of of he was better than Embiid. Um, I I just – what do you think as a big man of what Joel is doing this year and and how how important – should we look at these stats and think of what we think of him, and especially compared to Jokic, frankly, because that's the competition right now. And, and Giannis, but the comparisons right. are mostly with, with Jokic at the moment. Oh, uh, well, I'm going to just start this off by saying I think he's the front runner for another MVP. Um, he's showing how dominant he can be when he's healthy and on a consistent level. Uh, I think he's found his rhythm. I think he's figured out the secret sauce, all of these things. Um, you know, he's had a, you know, injury history. He's passed that part. You know, it was, yeah. they talked about his conditioning. He's passed that part. Um, he's mm-hmm. figured out every knack that they tried to put against him and he's found a way to turn it around and completely dominate. 
Um, credit to him. Um, he's leading that team. Uh, even though the team made a huge move with, you know, getting rid of James Harden and bringing in other guys, uh, he found a way and, and more credit to him. Uh, I think he's top five player in the NBA. Um, he'll continue to dominate. He'll continue to lead this team. My only worry is once they get to the playoffs and teams start to adjust, you know, I do still think they need that extra piece to, you know, right. that, that second or third option to help get them over the hump, uh, playoff wise. But, um, uh, you know, I'm I'm happy for the big fella. He's showing and he's trying to separate himself in this league. And uh, he's doing that. And in my opinion, he's front runner for another MVP. Yeah, I mean, I think they're definitely going to make a move before the deadline to get to your playoff point. Um, you know, they have a ton mm-hmm. of assets now because of the James Harden deal. So they can actually really go out and get someone. The question is, is someone going to be available um, that would really help them. What, what do you think, you know, Tyrese Maxey has stepped in for James Harden and been lights out. So they don't need, they don't have a glaring need at point guard, right? What, what else do you think they would need to take that pressure off Embiid and let him really shine in the postseason? Um, I just think they need uh, a dynamic wing score. Um, can, can give you both ends, give you about 18 to 20 a game. Um, and I think I think that that, that puts them at a balanced team and it can get them over the hump in any situation that they, you know, may run into during the playoffs. Uh, Joel is going to be Joel, but I do know in the playoffs, he'll see a lot of double triple teams. It'll be a lot of schemes to, you know, make him become a playmaker instead of a scorer or, you know, just get the balls out of his, get the ball out of his hands, you know, as soon as he, uh, you know, receives it. So uh, you got to have those options on the wings to, you know, counter that. Um, Yeah. But with that being said, uh, who's the right player? I mean, Zach Levine can come into mind. I think he's he fits that mold for that team. But uh, but they need someone who plays strong defense. I mean, you're not going to survive through the Eastern Conference playoffs and the Eastern Conference finals if one of your guys in your starting five doesn't really defend. And I'm, I'm you know, look, I, I, I think that. I like Zach Levine as a player. Um, mm-hmm. I think if he gets in a different environment, I think we're going to see a different player. I'm not sure how much effort either one of us would put on defense if we were playing on that Chicago Bulls team after all these years. I mean, that kid has been through a lot. Like, right. I, I don't even know offhand how many coaches. I mean, the environment there has sucked. I mean, it's it's been bad. So I get it. I, I wouldn't come out, you know, killing myself on defense every night either. Um, but that would have to be the condition to, to acquire him. To me, I would have to sit down and, and talk to him and his agent and just be like, dude, we need max effort from you every night on the other end of the floor because I, I think that's what they need. But yeah, I mean, I, I think that they, they have the room to do that. They have the assets to outbid anyone for pretty much anyone except Oklahoma city for anyone they want. So I'm, I'm curious to see what they add there and, and we shouldn't sleep on what they already added because Pat Bev, Nick mm-hmm. Batum, like Batum was not, you know, he, he's a really chill, steadying Very influence in the locker room. Right. Like he's great Mm -hmm. on the floor, but he's also great kind of team dynamic wise. I think people don't really get that. And and Mm -hmm. Pat Bev, man, he's going to hold you accountable, his own teammates. I mean, how much do you think that's helped Joel to have a guy like that around who's, you know, talks a lot, but but fires guys up. Pat Bev does what he does everywhere he goes. Um, Pat Bev's impact is bigger than, you know the amount of points or how many minutes he plays on the floor on a nightly basis, the way he can, you know, motivate these young guys, influence them to, you know, play team basketball. He can influence these guys to run mm-hmm. through a wall for them. You know what I mean? And that's yeah. a talent within itself. So, uh, you know, Pat Bev does it everywhere he goes. And that's the reason that, you know, I believe 
or part of the reason this Sixers team brought him in. He's a great uh, veteran voice in every locker room. He's respected. And he's there to, you know, hold every superstar accountable. I watched him do it night in and night out with the Clippers, with Kawhi and PG. So uh, either you're going to respect it or check it. And obviously, you know, Embiid is respecting it and it's showing on a positive note every night. So, uh, you know, credit to Pat Bell for, you know, help leading the team and doing all the hard work and detailed work behind the scenes because it's, it's, it's playing in their favor. I mean, he's one of those guys, he's in that group that, you know, nobody likes playing him and everybody wants him on their team, you know, that kind of guy. And I think mm-hmm. I think he's an important piece. I think the piece the pieces that they added this year have been a big deal. And Tyrese Maxey's ascension, of course. And he's just a great person. Absolutely. He's happy. He's positive. Tyrese is just he's yes. a lot of fun to play with, his game and just his attitude. So I think I think the whole vibe around that team has been so good. And Joel has been crazy good. And yes. I agree with you. He's he's got a stake <laughs> in the MVP conversation for Absolutely. sure. I mean, it's it's really interesting with him and Jokic. I mean, which who, who, who do you – just overall as a player, are you a Team Embiid or Team Jokic? Who, do, who would you put mm-hmm. rank one or two? I'm, I'm Team Big Man, honestly. Uh, I hate where they're trying to push the big man out of the game. So either one of these guys dominating, also including um, Giannis, like any of these guys dominating and, and making it tough on the interior, it, it only helps the big man moving forward. So uh, I'm a fan of all. Don't get that part yeah. wrong. But – um. When it comes to, you know, this this saying, you know, who's better, Jokic or Embiid, you can't really say who's better because they play two different games. You know what I mean? One's a more all-around player. The other one's more of a two-way guy. So, uh, you know, um, and when it comes to picking one, it's really about your preference. What are you looking for with, you know, building a team in? For me, personally, I would go with Embiid. I feel like Embiid is easier to build around. Uh, I feel like you put another superstar wing guard with MB, you automatically create balance. Um, when it comes to Jokic, that may not be the case because Jokic more, is more of a guy that, you know, facilitates the offense. He is that point guard. So it's a little more it's a little more difficult to build a team around that. You know what I mean? And then on top of that, he's not the defensive anchor that, you know, Joel Embiid is. So you then have to figure out a situation to also correct that with building the team. So. Um, for me, I would lean towards Embiid just in the simple fact that it's easier to, you know, put the right pieces around him compared to Jokic, where you almost have to put the perfect team around him to be successful. And that's a little more difficult than, you know, with Embiid. So uh, it's all about preference. They're both incredible and great in their own right. So uh, it really is no wrong answer. It, wrong answer. It's really just about prefer- preference. Yeah, and by the way, Giannis is absolutely in that same conversation. But because of the MVP stuff absolutely. last year, Jokic and Embiid have been more I you, I kind of pitted you, against Rachel. each other. I want to mm. ask you, Rachel, who would you go with? It's so hard. I had a vote for the MVP last year. I voted for Embiid. I thought he 100% deserved it. Um, I mm-hmm. didn't think it was even as close as it was portrayed to be because I thought Jokic kind of, you know, that whole Denver team basically the last month of the season was not going full speed. And it is a full season award. So to me, I, I, I wanted the guy who put together the full season. Um, I, I, I kind of agree with you just in that like they play so differently. It's a little bit hard to compare them. Um, I think what Jokic does is such a like different skill set than we've seen and just the way he passes and, and sort of all of that. So I appreciate that. Um, 
But I also appreciate just sort of the way Embiid overpowers a game in that more traditional big man style. And of course, he can shoot threes and do all the other stuff, but he just he has that freight train part of him that I love to watch. And I don't know, the three finalists for MVP being all big men was so interesting to me because it was such a guard-heavy conversation league, you know, ever since Steph Curry came in. Mm-hmm. And we still have so many guards. You know, when I fill out my all-star ballot every year, the guards are the spots that it's hard to figure out who goes where. When I fill mm-hmm. out All-NBA every year, it's very hard to figure out, you know, kind of who goes where because we have so many great guards. Um, but the top three guys, all big men. So I, I just think that's fascinating <laughs> in terms of the – direction the league is going you know big men are fighting back they're not letting them take away the nba from them so there we go Uh, what i like about this deal for the sixers clippers deal is that uh you know it's kind of working out for both sides and i love trades like that and you know when harden first got to the clippers i know it didn't go well but i said many times on this podcast or when i made my gig on fox sports i was like this was a good trade Like, even if it doesn't do everything it's supposed to do, it was a good trade because they were stuck and they needed to get unstuck. And the truth is that once they sort of figured out a system and that system really involved Russ coming off the bench instead of being a starter, Mm -hmm. they are 12 and three since that decision was made. And they are currently on a seven game winning streak. And it's been a little quiet, uh, you know, because there's been so much stuff going on in the league and the in-season tournament was in the middle of that and everything. Um, but they are a force to be reckoned with. Kawhi Leonard has played every single game. He is healthy. Paul George has played 24 out of 25 games. He is healthy. I mean, what do you see when you watch this Clippers team and, and what do you credit to this big turnaround? Um, what do I see? Um, I see a team that's right now flowing under the radar, which is a good thing in their favor. Um, I think so. We've both spoke on it. It's going to take time for this team to figure it out with, you know, it's being four Hall of Fame, potential Hall of Famers on one team. Um, it's only one basketball. They're all at a point in their career where they're still in their prime, but they're also, you know, this is the part of their career where the decline starts to happen. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, this is an important time in their career. It's about winning. It's about, you know, solidifying their careers with, you know, championship rings. And they're all in that position now. And, they're all bought in, and it's obvious. They're on a right. seven-game winning streak right now. So, uh, yeah. you know, if I'm this Clippers team, I want to continue to flow under the radar. Uh, I don't want the media coverage. I don't want the attention. Um, right. Because that can become draining. When it's just constant coverage yeah. about every mistake or every positive you make, those plays become pressured in, with, with every possession. And it's a lot. It can become draining, mentally draining. And by the time the playoffs come, you're mentally drained from the entire regular season. So, uh I think this plays in their favor. Uh, you know, if I'm that team, I want to stay under the radar and, you know, just continue to build, build that confidence, build that chemistry and, um, you know, release the monster once the playoffs comes. But uh, when it comes to, you know, crediting how, you know, making all these things work, uh, well, one, it's a group, it's a group effort. It has to be everybody bought in. But the person that I don't believe gets enough credit is Ty Lue. Uh, Ty Lue gets so 100%. much. 100%. He gets so much heat year in and year out for, you know, the changes made with this team or the, you know, the, the low management and just the different things that, you know, continue to circulate around his team. And, you know, he, he stays afloat through every storm and you got to appreciate that in the coach. Uh, 
And it's also a talent to be able to manage these egos. That's not an easy thing to do. Um, I think that's something that gets overlooked when it comes to coaching. It's not just about X's and O's. It's not just about creating the perfect system. Um, it's about being able to manage different egos and diff different personalities. Yeah. That's a skill within itself. And um, like I said, I think that gets overlooked a lot when it comes to coaching. Um, I think the best coaches or the most well-rounded coaches are the ones that can, you know, coach any ego, manage with any ego. You think about guys like mm -hmm. Phil Jackson. Uh, he had to manage the egos of Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, and Dennis Rodman. So, and he was able to do it. You know what I mean? And, right. and the list goes on. Shaq and Kobe, those are different type personalities. So that's a skill in itself. And uh, it does. And I don't think T. Lou gets enough credit for that. So, you know, credit to him. Um, you know, keep that thing afloat. And, uh, you know, I wish them success this season. And I think they will have a successful season. You know, I think they're on the right path. And, you know, they'll continue to, uh, you know, float under the radar. And, and they'll have a big season towards the end. I don't think they could have made this trade without Ty Lue being their coach. And I, I think that 75% of the coaches in the league, and this is not a knock on the coaching in the NBA, but everyone has different skill sets. His particular skill set fit with this plan, Right. And I asked Steve Kerr about Ty Lue a few weeks ago because, of course, Ty was with him on Team USA this past summer. And he said that, you know, he always knew how good Ty Lue was. It's not like it's a surprise. These guys coach against each other. But he said just seeing him interrelate to the players and, and how he talked to the players um, was so interesting for Steve. And Steve has got great rapport with his players too. I mean, they, these are two coaches that are players' coaches. But he said the way Ty does it. Um, was so fascinating and he's just loose with his attitude, but he says everything with purpose. And that combination is, is really gets through to guys. And then the other side of it, you know, I think there's a temptation with a guy who is a former player and who does has such a good rapport with players and you can see it to just sort of, I, when he was at the Cavs, there was a lot of like, Oh, well, you know, he knows how to handle LeBron and that's why they're winning or that's why he's a good coach. He's a fucking good X and O coach. Like his out of time out plays are always exceptional. Like I, I don't think he sometimes gets enough credit for that and that the schemes and stuff that he runs, like I, I, I think sometimes because he's so good with the personalities, it overshadows, you know, what a good technical basketball coach he is. So for all those reasons, mixing these four guys technically on the floor and how you put them and where you put them. And then also the player relation aspect to me is, is a big reason why they're succeeding. And then of course, Russell Westbrook, you know, look, the story that was put out was that he asked to go to the bench for the good of the team. Did he? I don't know. Did someone have a conversation with him and then decide to spare his ego? They would put that story out. We'll never know. But the fact that he's done it and he's done it right. with, you know, good form and he hasn't been a problem. Um, you know, you and I are both talked, you know, we're big fans of Russell Westbrook and the way he is a teammate. And I think we've seen that again, too. So. I love, I love what they're doing over there. Um, I agree with you about the under-the-radar thing being good because the more pressure and attention, the more people ask Russ, so why are you going to the bench? What do you think about being on the bench? You know, like all that stuff can inflame issues and the fact that they're just humming right now. I don't well, know. I think they're a super fascinating team. I, I can't wait to see what they can do in the playoffs. And everyone's got to stay healthy, but so far that's happened. All right, we got to get to the big games this week. Set a reminder, Boogie. Which game are you going to make sure is on your calendar? On Wednesday, we've got Wolves at Sixers. Uh, we've also got Clippers at Mavericks. That's going to be a good one. We we're just talking about how good these teams are, and the Luka Clippers rivalry is always fun to see. Uh, Thursday, we got Clippers at Thunder. Uh, that's always interesting, considering the trade that happened with those teams. 
Uh, Lakers at Wolves also on Thursday. And Minnesota Timberwolves, speaking of under the radar, I mean, they are cruising right now. They still have the number one defense in the league. Um, All the parts that weren't working last year with Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns and Ant has just ascended even more. So I think that game is going to be fascinating. You've got Celtics at Clippers on Saturday. Uh, You've also got Lakers at Thunder on Saturday. And we'll get to the Christmas Day games when we talk for next week. But uh, for that week, for these games, who which, which game are you most interested in? Uh, I'm looking forward to Wednesday. Uh, you know, obviously with the big man matchup between Embiid and, and, and Gobert and uh, Kat, uh, I think that'll be really entertaining. Uh, we'll get to see if, you know, Embiid can continue to dominate against the number one defense in the league, uh, anchored by, you know, another big in Rudy Gobert. So that'll be a great matchup. Old school basketball, two bigs going at it. And, um, you know, obviously that Clippers and Mavericks game, um, you know, their rivalry stems – you know, deep from the past. And um, this Clipper team is now in a rhythm, so it'll be good to see them against another, you know, playoff caliber team and just see how they match up with that. And uh, let's and we're going to be able to see if their their defense can match up with, you know, a high-powered offense led by Luka. So uh, I think that'll be a great matchup as well. So um, Wednesday night definitely uh, has got my attention. And look, Embiid has like a little mini beef with, I think, every other big man in the league, but he's definitely got a little one with Rudy Gobert. It. There's some history there. So I, <laughs> I think that'll be fun <laughs> also. <laughs> All right, DraftKings segment, I'll take that bet. We're going to talk about the Warriors playoffs. So the odds for the Warriors to make the playoffs right now, yes at plus 135, no at minus 170. Golden State currently 11th in the West. They have a 12-14 and 14 record. And – by the way, we just talked about Draymond probably going to be out for the next 10 games, so we can't expect them to just take off. Uh, Clay Thompson, mm-hmm. the last three games, uh, it definitely his level of play has gone up, 27 points per game on 54% three-point shooting, so that's that's better. He was in such a slump at the start of the season. Uh, Draymond Green, as we said, not going to be there. Uh, Andrew Wiggins now coming off the bench, which I thought was an interesting move. Um, so it's going to be Kind of interesting to see how much that tweak helps in Draymond's absence. So, I don't know. What, what do you think? Are you are you taking the bet that the Warriors are going to make the playoffs, or you think uh, they're not getting in? Um, I mean, it's hard to ever count this team out just because of their history and their DNA, and you know, just a decade worth of time when it comes to their chemistry. Like, this is a team that can literally hit the switch and turn it on. Um, it's hard to sit here and say they won't make the playoffs because they're not playing their best basketball right now. They are missing a vital piece in Draymond Green, and we don't know how long he'll be absent. Um, Wiggins is in a slump. Um, it's, it, it's hard for me to ever go against this team. Will they make the playoffs? I think they will. Um, I think Klay Thompson finds his rhythm, which he's – yeah, I'm taking the bet. Klay Thompson is finding his rhythm. Um you get him shooting anywhere close to what he's accustomed to doing, they're a dangerous team. Steph Curry will continue to be Steph Curry. Um, my hope is that this team makes a move. They make a, a move that can get this team over the hump. They have to get another score on this team to complement these guys. Um, I think they dropped the ball with the Jordan Poole move. Um, hmm. My opinion, I, I think I'd rather have sat those two down and like, hey, y'all need to figure this shit out. Just work it out. You know, we we have championship aspirations. Y'all need to figure this shit out so we can move forward. Um, I think they just, I think they settled with what they did with the Jordan Poole 
Jordan Poole move. Uh, I don't think they got the best piece back to help improve this team or even just keep them afloat or keep them at the same level. Um, but, you know, that's done. And um, But at the end of the day, I just it's hard for me to ever say this team isn't a threat because they always will be as long as Steph Curry is leading this team, as long as Klay Thompson is backing him up and Draymond being the anchor defensively and the voice of the team, I think they always have a chance. It's just about, you know, making the right move, moving forward and filling out those, you know, those key pieces to keeping this team afloat and moving forward. I mean, look, they don't have that many trade tradable assets just because, you know, they have a lot of guys who are kind of at a low point of their play right now um, and mm -hmm. contract wise and everything else. Uh, Chris Paul could get moved again. Andrew Wiggins could get moved, but again, like he's not playing well. So what are you getting back for him is complicated. Uh, on the other hand, you've got Clay on an expiring deal. I mean, you could deal him, but I think that would mess with their chemistry so much in the middle of the season. Absolutely. It's an interesting side bet though, Boogie, because at the beginning of next season, are we going to see this exact same core still on the Warriors? Are they going to re-sign Clay? Clay would have to take a pretty big discount for them to to fit all the pieces together. Is Klay Thompson going to be there at the beginning of next season? Is Draymond going to be there? Are they just signed him to a four-year, very expensive deal, but maybe they decide over the summer it's not worth it anymore. They try to, you know, some team is going to want him. So I, I don't right. know. Uh, do you think that that they'll be there? Do you think Steve Kerr will be there? What, what do you think? Who's going to be there and who's missing? What, what's your sad bet on that at the beginning of next season? I think it depends on how this season plays out. Uh, I think they'll finish the season with these guys just to, you know, see if they are, if they do still have that push to make, you know, title runs. If it is just a mm -hmm. situation where, you know, are these the correct pieces to move forward or should we start, you know, our rebuilding process? Um, I know one guy that will be there, it'll be Steph Curry, regardless if they're playing for championships yes. or, or rebuilding. He will be there. Um, I, it's hard to determine if they can figure the contract situation out with Klay Thompson because, you know, obviously the one they offered is, you know, it's laughable. Um, with what this guy's brought to this team, you know, the championships, the uh, the increase of value when it comes to this team, like all of these things play a part in that, and Klay Thompson was a part of that. So uh, to sit there and then offer, you know, just a bullshit deal to a future Hall of Famer, a guy that's – a big part of why this team is, you know, as prestigious yeah. as it is now, like it's, it's, it's laughable. So uh, that's something they definitely have to figure out. And, um, you know, I'm with Clay Thompson. You deserve what you deserve, bro. And I hope you get yours. Yeah. I mean, look, it's, it's difficult just because of all the other contracts they've gotten themselves into and, and making those mm -hmm. pieces fit. But I don't think Steph Curry is going through a rebuilding session. I, I don't think he's interested in that at all. You know, that he said he true. wants to play until he's like 37, 38. I asked him about that. He was like, my dad played until he was 38. I want to play, you know, that long. And, and he's he's interested in winning another title. And I don't think that with him being the core of that team, if management sat him down and said, are you good with this? I don't think the answer would be yes of a rebuild. I don't think he'd be in for that. So the question is sort of how do they manage what they have while adding right. pieces, as you said, um, it's going to be interesting. The Clay Thompson situation. I'm fascinated by the way this is going to work out. But you're right, man. He's been such a big part of what they do. Uh, you know, so tied to Steph. Uh, you know, the way movement works with that team requires Clay. You know, to be there and to be just that catch and shoot guy. So I, 
It's going to be interesting. But all right, Boogie Cousins taking the bet. The Warriors are going to make the playoffs. You also think the Grizzlies are making the playoffs. So some of these teams are getting knocked out in Boogie World. But we'll get to that. We'll get to that later. <laughs> um, I know a team that is the not playing, making the, the playoffs <laughs> and they lead off play in. <laughs> I know a team that is not making the play in either. Uh, this this uh, is part of our doom scroll segment for the week. We we check the internet so you won't have to. Um, Detroit Boogie Cousins has lost twenty three in a row. Twenty three. I mean, you were on some bad Kings teams, but your longest losing streak was eight. I mean, what the right. hell, man? How do you lose twenty three games in a row? I mean, that, that's tough. Uh, that, that's that's really really tough. Um, you're asking me how? I, I have no clue. I, I don't I don't relate to this in any way, shape, or form. Um Yeah. That that's 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 a tough situation to be in. But um, you know, this is the NBA. It's hard to win games in the NBA. Um Detroit's a young team. They're it's not twenty three games in a row hard. Out. Obviously it is. Something is wrong. Yeah. I'm, I'm not, I, it's not good. I wish I had the answer to this. I, I just don't. But, uh, you know, to their defense, they are a young team. They are still figuring out things. They're trying to find their identity. Um, I think they got one piece right so far. Well, more than one piece right. But as of, you know, the coaching, I think Monty Williams is a great coach for that team. I think he's a great motivator. I think he'll get these guys' mind in the right space to, you know, becoming winning, a winning team and winning players. Um Kay Cunningham is an incredible Just win in one game, Boogie. One game. <laughs> That's all anyone's asking. Yeah. They don't need yeah, a winning mentality right. or to get right. They need to win one game. Yeah, the hey, man, win a game, man. You're Rachel. Go, win a game. Go win a fucking game. Win a game. <laughs> win a game. Just give us that. Um, I want to look at a few highlights that social media has given us. Um, this, this one is crazy. <laughs> Have you seen this picture? Giannis had his kids on the bench. While the Bucks were blowing out the Pistons during the game, <laughs> this is insane. I've never yeah. seen this before. Uh, he clocked into Daddy Mo early. Yeah. I mean, it how insulting! How would you feel? And another job. How would you feel if you looked across the court and one of the guys had his kids on the bench? That's wrong. That's wrong. Um, also, uh, this one that Draymond Green has more ejections than the Pistons have wins. Uh, you know, that's a sad, sad stat on both sides, actually. So don't like that one. Yeah. Um, and then uh, even Wingstop had a little fun with the Pistons. So usually they give out five free wings if oh, the Pistons shit. win, right? That has been their promotion, right? All the arenas have one of these promotions, you know, two free throws, blah, blah, blah. Oh, the Pistons had the Wingstop promo. We'll give out five wings to you if the Pistons win. And instead, <laughs> Wingstop tweeted, we could do five free wings for every loss because you guys need to win. <laughs> and they, they you know, they deserve Christ. a win. So if, if, even if they lose, they want, they want to give people wings. So there's something there for Pistons fans. This is sad. <laughs> one win, one win. Well, let's start baby steps. One win. Man, there we go. This what, is what I want to see the, from this the, week before we reconvene for Christmas, our Christmas podcast. But yeah, I want to see one win from the Pistons. Uh, I want to know what the bed line is for that one win. Dude, right? We got to get DraftKings on that. Yeah. I don't know if they I'm have odds for that. We got to get DraftKings on that. Yeah. <laughs> so, one, one win. That's all you got to do. One win. I know you guys got it in you. Let's go. Things are so bad. The Hawks are 12 and a half point favorites. 
to win the game tonight. So, yeah, one win. Just one. Don't think it's going to come tonight. Maybe it will. One win. All right. You can catch all episodes of Bully Ball on the Showtime Basketball YouTube channel. You can catch us wherever you get your podcasts. If you had fun today with us, please rate and review us. We need those five stars to help us get us. We're new podcasts. we got to get up in that algorithm. So hit that five-star button. We will see you next week. We will preview all the Christmas Day games. I'm very excited about that. Until then, see you soon, Bug. Peace. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.